You have to consider, dude, there's 300 kids in the entire fucking school. What, but, but, Jarko, what is the difference from them having to physically go to the school and sit in a classroom? We're just changing the atmosphere. Why couldn't anyone that was going to be in her regular first period get online at 8.30 till 9.30 with the teacher, just like we're talking, and the teacher gives the lecture? Uh, you actually have a little, because they have those classroom, I can tell you the damn name of here, it's built in. If you have a question, you click the button and it chimes and then they, oh, then they turn on your mic. That's what Quinn and Justice have. Hey. Yeah, Sydney's so, is so not I don't like care where you don't have the budget for this. I mean, unless unless you unless you get into your budget here, because what they had to do with their city schools as well, though, is they had to they had to equip all those homes with yep. a computer. Yep. And when you get into these small rural districts, whether it be in Iowa or I'm sure in Ohio, that money's just not there. At least in Iowa. Well, it, it could be different because the way Iowa does things and the way Illinois does things are completely different. Um, in Iowa, everything kind of goes into a big pot and things get dispersed depending on, you know, the amount. It's a very socialist kind of principle. So, well, so, so in that nature, instead of us giving uh, a billion dollars for goat sexuality re relief in Afghanistan, why wasn't that a focus in our education system? Well, there, there's two answers. Um, number one, Congress sucks. And number two, the fucking teachers union. Yeah. Again, back to what we hammer home here is true education reform where it needs to be blown up from the ground up because this is where they have ultimately failed. And they're not even talking about this as shit with Biden here. Very little talk about education. I really wish that we could afford to pull the girls out and put them in private school. I actually had that on my questions here for you. I was listening to a lawyer uh, who happens to be a mom. She was talking about that. And she even said in the thing, she said, you know, we're not Catholic, but I send my kids to those schools yeah. because of the benefits of the education. Yep. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. It's fucked up, but that's, a, that's the world that we live in. So, yeah. Or I guess they weren't practicing because you have to have some kind of tie. Like maybe like the father had been raised that way, but they weren't really practicing. But, but yeah, I mean, but hell, you look at that. I know here, uh, LaSalle High School is one of the prominent Catholic schools in Cincinnati. And my uncle sends my two cousins there. Now, granted, he, because they're pretty smart, they, they have sports, so they do get some breaks and because he has two of them there. But he's still paying, like, almost a college tuition. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to send the kids to private school, but I, I can't afford, afford that. I mean, shit. I'm an essential worker. I ain't got that kind of money. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. 69, dudes! <gasps> This is your United States of America This is Hitting the Marks, a podcast that's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother... 
podcast and like to talk about everything. News, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast with Jargo and RBV, recorded on Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. I am the aforementioned Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's not wearing the colors, but he's wearing the skull cap for the Cincinnati. He's a real RBV, Rick. I don't even know where to begin this week, man. This has been such a crazy week. I guess, welcome to your show. Yes, we are back here again. The good Dr. Jargo. And it's me, it's me, that art of the beat of the beat. Richard Brownson Vickery. And hey, man, I, I got, yeah, I'm represent today. I got the, uh, the University of Cincinnati skull, skull cap rocking. It's a little chilly here again. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. I know we're going to get into what we had going on. The sun was shining. Everything was fine. The sun's still out there, but them temperatures are dropping. It looks as we head into the holiday weekend. We're gonna, it's going to be a little nippy here in, in the great state of the, the OHIO. We finally had our first 70-degree day yesterday. We hit 71 degrees here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And today, a high of 49 degrees. And You, you know, 49 degrees a month ago would have seemed like, you know, shorts and T-shirt weather. But after having 71 degrees yesterday, that's the thing that people don't get about the Midwest, man. Like they say, if you don't like the weather in the Midwest, wait five minutes, it'll change. That is so freaking true. Our, our weather is so bipolar around here. Yeah, it was, you know, this past Saturday, I was out with, uh, out with pops. We were cruising the Porsche. Oh yeah. Let me tell you, there's, there's nothing better, man. Hitting the back roads, hitting the highways. You got the top down, the, the wind in your hair and that, and that baby, it looks so slick. I mean, everywhere you go, people are looking at you and that thing. So we're out cruising a Porsche having a good time. You motherfucker. You put that in there just to fuck with me. Didn't you? The wind in your hair. Get the fuck out of here, man. With that beard, I mean, you'd probably feel it too. Like <laughs> kind of like a, a comb over <laughs> the wrong way. But hey, I cut uh, off like five inches of it. Yeah, yeah you know, we have a, a great weekend this past weekend here, and now we're getting ready for the holiday. And no, I'm not talking about that Easter holiday. I'm talking about opening day, which is a true holiday here in, in Cincinnati. We're getting set for that on Thursday. Oh, but Jarker, they're calling like for the high for baseball that day. Like it, it's like forty. 45 degrees is the high for that day. God, That's not damn. baseball weather, man. No, no. And of course, they're, they're making the football season longer. They made the baseball season longer, which is why it starts so damn early now. Uh, so next week's weekend update should be a whole lot of fun. Let's go ahead. We'll jump into our weekend update here, brought to you by our friends over at justcbdstore.com. Our promo code HTM, 20% off. Uh, Rick, I actually had a, a bit of a weekend, too. Because I took Carly and the girls. The girls are so bored, man. They are so bored, especially Quinn. She's like just begging us. We have to get out of this house. And so it's like, all right, let, let, let's go do something. So they wanted to go to the mall. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, so instead, we drove about an hour from here to Williamsburg, Iowa, which is right on Interstate 80. And they have a, one of those big old school like uh, outdoor shopping centers. Right. So it, it's kind of like a mall, but everything's outside. And I'm like, the plaza. Yeah. 
Right. You know, so it's like, it's like, all right, cool. We'll, we'll do that instead because at least then, you know, you don't have hundreds of people all locked in the same room basically with no airflow. I mean, you know, coronavirus breeding ground. So we go down to Williamsburg and of course, uh, governor Kim Reynolds has lifted the mask mandate in the state of Iowa. Uh, guess what, Rick? I did not see one person walking around without a mask on. It turns out that the American people are smart enough. We don't need an official order from the government to do the right thing. Like, it turns out we just fucking do it. Who knew? I just, you know, just earlier before we took took the recording here, I'm talking to our good friend, one of our brothers here at the, the Hitting the Marks podcast network, Eric Lake. Out on a little adventure of his own. He's a, taking a little vacay. Oh yeah, he's Texas. he's down there with those vax holes in Texas. Well, I just talking to him here, and he said you you know he's in the touristy area there. Uh, he's down by know, he San visit, Antonio. Went and visited the Alamo the other day, and but he said in the downtown area, he said they said it's wide open, but everyone still continues to wear masks, and each business is being responsible. They're they're enforcing distancing. They're, they're taking proper safety precautions. And, and it, my response was almost verbatim the same as yours, Jargo. It, it's amazing what the American people will do when you're not forcing them to. Right. It, it, and it's it's the same as you look at when we talk about government spending and these, these special interest you know, platforms out there. We're a very charitable country. I mean, you look at what we give when it's voluntarily. But you start trying to force something and you start trying to twist the arm and manipulate the American people and you're going to have one hell of a backlash on your hands. You know what? I, I know you watch a lot of Fox News, so I am sure you have seen this. I've got to sound off about this because I, I have found a new commercial that pisses me off just thinking about the commercial. I don't even have to see it anymore right? There is a commercial that they run on Fox News all the time, and it's got this lady who's probably some kind of a celebrity, and I just have no idea who she is. And she's, she's, she wants you to give $25 a month so that you can send a food box to the forgotten Jews who are living in Ukraine. So she wants us to send our money to Russia. Really? You, 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 what what could possibly go wrong here? But here's the part that pisses me off. Number one, the way that she says Jews, like it's spelled J-O-O apostrophe S, Jews. And it just pisses me off. Oh, God. And number two, number two, she's wearing a parka that must be like one of those $500 parkas. It's got like all the freaking fur around the hood. And she's got on like, you know, $80 Gucci gloves. And she's sitting next to this woman who's freaking freezing and is literally kissing the food inside of this food box because she hasn't eaten so long. And then it's like, bitch, give her your fucking coat. Take off your fucking coat and give it to the forgotten Jews. Oh, it just out, dude. It's like the the thirty seconds that just enrages me. I just see red every time I see this freaking commercial. All right, it, but my mind immediately, you know, goes somewhere completely else. So you got the uh, the Jews. Uh, I'm just thinking when they're building the ladder to heaven in South Park. Maybe we can't see heaven because of the J O O. Oh, it just outrages me. Just outrages me. Yeah, so we went down to the to the Nike outlet store, and Carly got a new pair of Jordans, and we ended up ordering Quinn a pair of Jordans. And oh, 
hold on, hold on. There are starving JOOs over in Ukraine, and you're going to follow that up with you and the entire family going out there and buying Jordans, who are likely made from a, a, another starving individual over in a sweatshop. That's what I'm saying, man. I got, I got to help out the people in, you know, French Indonesia and shit, you know? I'm doing my part to help the global economy, regardless of the human rights violations. For I mean, I kind of sound like the United States government dealing with China. For a dollar thirty-five a month, you too can feed an entire village. Jesus Christ! In Zimbabwe, fuck Africa. Yeah, right, right. How about you? What'd you do this weekend, Huckleberry? Well, I say we you know, go out cruising Saturday. Uh, had a good day. Uh, I did something something a little interesting or whatever. I'm not going to be able to visit my my grandma for Easter as I've got some uh, some work things going on at down the track and that. Uh, so I stopped by and spent some time with her. And we had some lunch and kind of just you know just talking and reminiscing and telling some stories about grandpa and all that. We were it came about in his passing. We actually had to, had the TV on. And I stopped on Fox News to check what was going out, and she told me um, a, a funny story in his obituary. You know, it popped me when I seen it there. But under his hobbies, you know, I uh, loved hanging out with his family, avid golfer, loved watching Fox News. That was originally meant to be a shout out at the end. Is that he would like to say in his final passings to give a shout out to uh, his friend Donald Trump? Oh my God! The, the 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 funeral, the funeral home, the director there refused to print the words Donald Trump. Oh, that is now. If you see what they charge for that, they give you like the first like thirty or so characters for free, Uh and then they start popping you for like seventy five dollars a set and something something crazy along those lines. So we're talking this takes a couple hundred dollars, and my cousin and uncle were going to put it in there mainly as a rib, you know, just you know to pop some people there, especially those that do gramps, and they wouldn't do it. They would not do it. So I immediately at that point I said, you know, the the newcomers the funeral home. I had been praised, singing their praises. They did a, you know, at the time it seemed like it was a tremendous job, especially during you know everything that had been right. happening with the restrictions and you know and really a lot of, you know, that you couldn't even have where you had those virtuals. We were allowed to be there in person. We were allowed to have visitation and all that. I, I sang their praises. No more, no more. Uh, that they that they wouldn't print the man's name in there. Did you hear what Trump did this weekend? I mean, nobody's really talking about it. I just happened to hear it on a podcast in passing. But absolutely freaking hilarious. Trump went to a wedding this weekend. He was not invited. So he was a wedding crasher. There was a couple got married in Miralago. And during the ceremony, Trump shows up in a tuxedo. And goes up and gives a speech. He went and gave a political speech at these people's weddings. Only Donald Trump, man. Only Donald Trump. Uh, were, were they Trump fans, supporters? I mean, was it? Were they? Were they welcoming? Uh, they were very welcoming. Uh, Trump actually finished the speech with "Do you miss me yet?" And the place just erupts. The place just goes completely freaking crazy. So they they were clearly. But I mean. Carly and I were talking about it too. And Carly asked the same question. I was like, do you think like somebody on the hardcore left is going to go get married at Miralago? I mean, like knowing that Trump lives in the building, like that's not happening. Like clearly they had to be Trump supporters or they wouldn't be getting married at Miralago. Oh yeah. Outside of that though. I mean, someone had to, someone had to pony up some major coin (laughs) to get this appearance there. Just showed up, full tuxedo, 
bride and groom had no idea that you know the 45th president of the united oh, states was coming and then it, it's just it's a full-on political speech like he's up there talking about what's going on at the border he's up there talking about biden domestic policy you know and it's like fucking trump man now that that's guy. grassroots that's grassroots right that guy it's crazy. You know, I just got, I turned off the news. I get all these flash reports and they're telling me about the border. They're telling me about China. They're telling me about Iran. How are we doing with Iran? How do you like that? Well, they were ready to make it. You know, they would have done anything. They would have done anything. And this guy goes and drops the sanctions. And then he says, we'd like to negotiate now. We're not dealing with the United States. They don't, oh, no, they don't want to deal with us and China, the same thing. They never treated us that way, right? You saw what happened a few days ago. It was terrible. And uh, the border's not good. The border is the worst anybody's ever seen it. And what you see now, multiply it times 10, Jim. You would know how to handle He's the only one I know that might handle the border tougher than me. But we have to. And the tough is in the most humanitarian way, because that's what it is. What's happening to the kids, they're living in squalor. They are living like nobody has ever seen anybody. There's never been anything like what's And you're going to have hundreds, and you have it now. They have the airplane photos, the shops, and they call them shops. And these things are showing thousands and thousands of people coming up from South America. And it's going to be, it's just, uh, look, it's a disaster. It's a humanitarian disaster from their standpoint, and it's going to destroy the country. And frankly, the country can't afford it. Because you're talking about massive, just incredibly massive amounts. Our school systems, our hospital systems, everything. So it's a rough thing. And I just say, do you miss me yet? <laughs> as we were saying, we did get 75 million votes. Nobody's ever gotten that. They said, get 66 million votes, sir, and the election's over. Well, I got 75 million, and they said, but you know, you saw what happened. 10.30 in the evening, all of a sudden they said, that's a strange thing. Why are they closing up certain places, right? Now, a lot of things happening right now. I just wanted to say, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you at Mar-a-Lago. You are a great and beautiful couple. And for many, many years of doing it, you know what today is, Huckleberry? Today, as I was sitting down to write the show, I realized... Today is the 69th day of Joseph R. Biden's presidency. And I, I mean, 69 days of Biden. Like, you can't go wrong there, right? All right, insert the uh, Kenny Omega clip. All done! Quickly! North-South position! 69 me, done. 69 me, save me! So Joe Biden finally met with the media last Thursday to talk about the first 60-some days of his presidency. And... Rick, did, did you watch this speech live? Uh, I, I did. For, it, I gave it my my 100 best effort. Uh, so I got through most of it live, and then I had to go back and rewatch a little bit and pick up some pieces that I missed. Uh, it was kind it was it was kind of like that that good old uh, Monday Night Raw effort. Do you think Joe went back and rewatched it so that he could pick up the pieces that he missed? Because there was a lot of uh, well, you know, I. And then he'd just move on to the next thing. And the, the thing that's crazy to me is the media singing the praises of this speech. I just, 
I thought this was awful. I, this was quite concerning to me. And I, I've been on the train that there is something cognitively not necessarily right with Joe Biden at this point. But now it's really getting to be a problem because I'm not the only one seeing that. Um, other world leaders are seeing. I mean, Putin straight up called him out, man. Putin's like, hey, uh, me and you, let's let, let's sit down. Let's have a, a video chat and let's broadcast it to the world so everybody can watch it. And Biden came back and said, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't do that. I'm busy this weekend. I have to wash my lack of hair. Um, I, I, Freaking Putin would eat his lunch, man. I mean, like, this isn't even close. Putin would destroy him. And that's absolutely, that's why if you're Putin or if you're anyone else out there, you you want, you're, I mean, you're, you're literally laying out a challenge. I mean, that's essentially saying, hey, meet me one-on-one -on -one in the street because they're going to eat his lunch alive. And, and maybe it pretty much what would become a debate for him, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's basically what Putin wanted. He wanted to sit down and have a debate with Joe Biden over Zoom and like broadcast it to the entire world for them to watch. And, yeah, I mean, and Putin and would that, destroy him at this point. And what does that ultimately prove? I mean, because of how weak of in presentation our leader is at this point and how he can handle himself behind that microphone in front of the press when he's not being overly protected. And that's a reflection of every, every one of us. The leadership that we have put in here now is... It's laughable to the rest of this world. And the problem becomes, I don't know, this is what I'm not sure of, right? Like, there's nothing that says that you have to be Barack Obama at a microphone in order to be president. You know, like Obama was great on a microphone. He could hold a room with his words like it was nothing, although he never actually said anything. And you can't really give me any great lines from an Obama speech. But Biden... We know that he has had brain surgery. Like We know that for a fact. We also know that Biden growing up had quite a stuttering problem. So Biden has never been the greatest speaker, but he was always sharp upstairs. Now I'm starting to question, like, I know that he can't necessarily find the words. I'm starting to question, are the words even there? Well, I can, you know, ultimately, because... It it is especially coming out of the Trump presidency and even with Obama, because I mean, he was so elegant. He was, he was a smooth operator. Well, and I mean, and, and like, you, like you said, Biden is more like Bush, right? Like nobody's going to call George W. Bush like a, a great speaker, with the exception of that speech that he gave after 9-11 at freaking ground zero. That's really the only speech of Bush's that anybody talks about. But the they basically just made fun of him his entire presidency for what an idiot he sounded like up at the microphone. But at least upstairs, you knew that Bush was sharp. You knew that when it came to actually sitting down and getting down to shit, Bush was sharp. It wasn't all about speeches. It was about what he could do behind closed doors. And at this point, I'm starting to question, can Joe Biden do anything behind closed doors? I know the words aren't there, but I'm wondering if they even exist at this point. Well, I, I think right now what we really need to do and what, you know, his his cabinet, those around him that are closest to him, they're helping advising him. They have strategically have needs to put something together here. I mean, we're we're talking about what he's already proven as that that vocal leader. You know, what we've come used to is is that tremendous entertainer from our presence. I mean, we need to go back here. We need to take a big step back and, and hope that Biden can ex execute that big stick ideology. 
Right. And if they're go and if he can't do it verbally and he can't, you know, do it through his body language, we need action in some ways to reestablish, you know, wait, we're still America here. We might have, you know, put in the seemingly extreme left socialist, you know, kind of driven agenda here. But it's very core. We're still America and we're still not here. We're not going to play games with Russia. We're not going to play games with North Korea. We're not going to play games with the Middle East. China, you need to watch yourself as well. We, we need to reestablish that dominance. And what you really see, though, here, and like, like you said, Jargo, the immediate move from Putin after what he has seen here, not just in this speech, this seemingly first speech we got from all the other little interactions that we got from Biden. He's sitting back laughing. This is taking a jab. And when you take a jab at Biden in pro, you know, a fan or not pro or anti, it's still our president. He still represents the United States. So that's a shot at all of us. Oh, yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, so as I look at the Biden administration, now 69, he, 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 sophomoric humor, 69 days into the Biden administration. And Rick, I got to say, I think the Great Reset is well underway. I think that the, the first 100 days of the Biden presidency were basically set out to erase the last four years of Donald Trump and get us right back to the place that we were at the end of the Obama administration. So I, I thought I would, to be fair to Joe Biden, I would sit down and I would figure out just exactly what has happened in this country since Joe Biden took office on January 20th. What what if that was the uh, the game plan, if they could, in, in Joe's mind, make him think it is four years ago? Then he, then he snaps out of it and returns to that brilliance. You know, the worst part is I don't even feel like it's a joke anymore. You know, that that's the messed up part. Like, I don't want to come on here and be like just completely taking shots at Biden because I, I, I don't even feel like it's no, fair. It, it's And it's not what we do here. You know, we'll call it straight down the line. And as I just said here, this is a serious issue. This is a shot at all of us. And this is how the rest of the world is beginning to look at us. And and I'm sorry, you know, we can be the most compassionate. We talked about the charities that our people give to. And, and we do know how many, you know, from if you look at the left and the different uh, the different parties that we have, instead of just going to extreme right, about how we do care about individuals. And even in that, our military efforts trying to help, if even if there is, in certain cases, ulterior motives. I mean, we're still there. We're still present. But you always need to continue to flex that muscle at times. And we're beginning to lose kind of that luster in our armor. Yep. So here is, as I look at the Biden administration, what has happened 69 days of Joe Biden to take us right back to four years ago and the end of the Obama administration. We have gas prices up 18% as of February 11th, and they've just went up from there. They're expecting that gasoline costs could hit $4 a gallon very, very soon here in the United States. Uh, we've gotten rid of the Keystone Pipeline. We're dropping bombs in Syria. We're having issues with Afghanistan. North Korea now launching three ICBMs over the weekend. Got a clip of that from Good Morning America for you. We're having issues with China. We've got uh, Russian interfering in our elections. We've got Putin. Putin calling out the president. We've got a crisis at the southern border. Uh, we've got Muslims walking around shooting up white people. Now that the Democrats want to take your guns again, we're going to expand Obamacare. And we've spent $5 trillion 
69 fucking days. In 69 fucking days. That's what a hell of a shopping spree. Doesn't that sound like the end of the Obama administration? We're right back where we fucking were. Four years of Trump never happened. 69 days. Now, if, if by design, <laughs> by design, hey, uh, you know, love it or hate it. That's some that's some incredible maneuvering. When you look at it like that's it, man, like there's there's your great reset. When you hit the reset button, you just go back to the beginning. Right. Like that's where we're at. We are right back to the Obama administration. Four years of Trump never happened. Just like that. It's fucking crazy, dude. Crazy. And people want to say that Joe's not getting anything done. <laughs> Look at all this shit that he's getting done. Crazy. I, see, I, I didn't realize that he was signing those executive orders with a pencil because it certainly had an eraser on the other end of it. Holy shit. Uh, so l let's talk a little bit about a couple of these things. Uh, North Korea. Uh, here is the report from Good Morning America. North Korea launching three intercontinental ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan over the course of the weekend. That breaking news, North Korea launching two ballistic missiles overnight, stepping up tensions with the U.S. in its first real test of the Biden administration. Our chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz, you know she is tracking this for us. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Robin. This is the first time North Korea has launched ballistic missiles in a year, and it is a clear violation of U.N. Security Council resolutions and follows the launch of two cruise missiles over the weekend. The two short-range ballistic missiles traveling nearly 300 miles, falling into the Sea of Japan, Japan calling the launches a threat to peace and security as they prepare for the Olympics. This is the first significant test of the Biden administration after years of the Trump administration failing to make any progress in the denuclearization of North Korea, even after those well-publicized summits. And it comes after testimony from a top U.S. commander who said North Korea has achieved alarming success in its quest to threaten the U.S. homeland with nuclear-armed ICBMs, and they may resume those testing of larger missiles. The Biden administration says it is committed to diplomacy. All right, Rick. So Kim Jong-un evidently back in charge, setting off missiles again. But you know what is funny about that report? Um, from a high-ranking government official who seemingly has no name, uh, the footage itself sure looks like B-roll to me. And uh, nobody has seen Kim Jong-un since uh, the whole death quote-unquote hoax uh, going back about a year now when his sister was supposed to be taking over and she's wackier than he is. And Oh, no, Kim Jong-un is fine. Nobody has seen him in public since all of that. Um, but now all of a sudden, North Korea shooting off missiles again. Or are they? Because I'm not entirely sure that they are. Well, again, is, is this a testing? As we're going back to everything right now, everyone is really anting up at the poker table, what you say. And it, you're kind of seeing what you get a, get away with, what you get scared. Or is this something that's being manufactured to scare people, to, to scare us? Well, and at a certain point, it is keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like, you know, Putin hears that she stood up to Biden and, you know, that his uh, little 
Blinken got basically owned up in Alaska by the uh, Chinese. Uh, so, so then Putin's got to come out publicly and challenge Biden to a debate. And so, so then Kim Jong-un is like, well, I got to get in on this shit too. And so we got to start setting off missiles. I mean, I actually could buy that as well, like, that's what's you. going on, but I'm just, I don't know. The, the, the whole thing just seems very, very like North Korea hasn't done this in a year. And it, I just, I, it seems really, really suspect to me, especially without new footage, without seeing Kim. Like, t- like you mean to tell me Kim's going to set all this shit off, our media's going to lose our mind, and Kim's not going to issue a statement? Like, that goes everything against the way that Kim Jong-un has always operated. Like, this whole thing just seems weird to me. I don't know. To you, to be as you laid out there, Jargo, this is again, this is everybody kind of, you know, stacking their deck, looking at their hand as you go around this table. Who's going to make this move to call out the United States at this point? You've got to come from everywhere. As you said, you got Putin just blatantly coming out saying, hey, let's talk to everybody. Let's talk in front of everybody. Let's let's see what you got here. You got the missiles there. You got China now, which you're seeing so much more coming out here about the manipulating media or what was being released here through the coronavirus. As we get more and more evidence that this was maybe an intentionally chemical warfare, they're trying to cover up their asses here at this point. Oh, you know uh, the one that kills me? Did you hear the report the other day? Nope, definitely came from a bat. Did you hear that report the, the other day? I thought it was hilarious. If you actually listen to the introduction of that report, where did that report come from? The CDC in coordination with the CCP. The Chinese Communist Party, the government of China, wrote a report that said China is not responsible for this. Yeah. And and everybody's like, see, told you, it didn't come from Wuhan. So now you magically think the Chinese are honest, good, upstanding people? Really? Yeah. And they, well, what I really loved about it, too, you know, you get that follow up there. Everybody's jumping on there like, well, you know, they, they've studied the same research. They know what's going on. We're going to take their word on this thing. When you immediately have, you know, medical professionals from and different people throughout the, the world of science immediately coming out and saying, no, when you have a disease like that from an animal, it's impossible for it to transfer that quickly and take that kind of effect and that widespread and that much damage directly into the human system. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody just want to dismiss that thing. It's just, it's insane to me the way that people and our media just grab onto these stories. Kind of like Chuck Todd made the comment that the reason that Biden was not asked about coronavirus uh, during the press conference was because, you know, the media doesn't ask questions when things are going well. I was like, okay, are, well, are you so, freaking kidding me right now? I, I know, I know, it's in the B-roll there. Uh, here's what irritated the hell out of me. Out of when it just it was before he even started speaking. Before we even cut to the actual, you know, the press room, and they're giving us the lead in, blah blah, blah you know, the little update and with these these burning questions. They they mentioned the pandemic. They mentioned coronavirus. They can't answer that. Never came up in there. You know, then they're talking about uh, race relations, the crisis. They, they, they use that buzzword there for you. You go the crisis at the border. Well, again, to me, those, those all are secondary issues. If we go to the core, if we go to the very core of what the problems here are in this country, you begin to fix all of those. 
but we're so preoccupied with this absolute BS. You know, again, financial, financial responsibility, military, education, reform. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you, man. It, it's just crazy watching the way that this is being covered. Um, it, it's like people are, as long as it's not Trump, people are fine with it. Um, I'm going to get into some shots at the right here coming up too. So just bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty to go around. Oh yeah. Cause they're pissing me off too. Um, the border you bring up, of course, now president Biden has put in his words, president Harris in charge now of the Southern border. She is going to be the Southern border czar, which is laughable to begin with. Um, but Rick, you know what her first thing that she is going to do down at the Southern border, you know what it is? They're going to issue a report that explains why these people are leaving countries like Guatemala and Honduras heading for the, oh, the American Southern border. Uh, Guess what the cost of that report is going just, to be? I was just going to say, give, give me a price on this, Jargo. What is, what is the price of something we can probably sum up here for free in 10 minutes? $700 million. Mm, yeah. $700 million. That seems a little low. Y'all motherfuckers ain't got Google? Like, for real, you can Google what's going on in Honduras. You can Google what's going on down in Guatemala. You can find out what's happening with the drug cartels in Mexico. We have to spend almost a billion dollars to write it down on paper? What the fuck, man? It's just baffling shit to me. Baffling shit. Have you seen you know, it? You know, if, if you know, going back, we're talking about that the education, and we talked about it there in in the B. Why are we not reallocating these funds towards you know, actual education? Well, couldn't we just supplied our kids with, with computers that could Google this? They could have done this report, which then actually in turn actually gives them firsthand knowledge of what really happens around the world when we're painting this picture that everyone needs to to hug and hold hands and love each other like we want to present here when that doesn't exist around the world. Think of all the forgotten Jews food boxes that we could send over to the Ukraine for $700 million. Boats! 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 It's the Boat Show! Boats! All right, let's talk about boats. Come boating? Like uh like up in Lake Erie? Well, kinda sorta maybe, no, not really. Wanna talk about this thing at the Suez Canal. Um, because th this is a much bigger issue than people seem to be realizing that it is. Uh start off with a couple of clips here. Uh ABC. Uh, here's what they had to say about the situation of the Suez Canal. Overseas, the traffic jam in the Suez Canal is getting more expensive by the hour. A ship the size of the Empire State Building is blocking the canal, costing the global shipping industry nearly $10 billion every day. Satellite images show the container ship after it ran aground. It's wedged against the side of the canal, blocking more than 200 ships. Crews are trying to refloat the ship, but that's proving to be harder than expected. It could take weeks to finally move it. 
The traffic jam in the Suez Canal could lead to another toilet paper shortage here in the U.S. A company that produces the wood pulp needed for toilet paper warns a shortage of shipping containers could cause a delay in product shipments. Yep, they're, they're worried about toilet paper. Go out and get your toilet paper, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a shortage again. Uh, CNBC talking about something a little bit more important, at least in my mind. Here, here's a clip about the oil. No exaggeration to say that this is a critical waterway. There's really no way to overstate how important the Suez Canal is. Wars have been fought over this waterway. It hosts about $3 billion in freight every single day. About 50 ships move through here, and it's been 48 hours since it's been blocked by uh, this ship, which is actually one of the largest container ships in the world. Uh, and now, just today, we've heard from the head of that uh, Japanese company that owns the ship, they're saying that there's going to be a Dutch and Japanese salvage team that's going to be appointed to work with local authorities to try to get this ship back on the move. Yesterday, we heard some rumblings that the ship had been partially refloated. It turns out that's not the case at all. It's still very much blocking the Suez Canal. Now, as far as markets are concerned, the prevailing wind right now that's buffeting oil indices is still the coronavirus. That hasn't changed. The lack of demand for oil because of shutdowns and lockdowns throughout the world still means that the price of oil is going to be depressed a little bit, even though yesterday we saw the price go up just a little bit. It seems as though this hasn't yet really had an effect on oil prices, at least not on the global level. That could change in the coming days. Once we hit the weekend, once it becomes clear, if it becomes clear, that this is, no, this is going to be lasting for days or weeks rather than hours, we could actually start to see knock-on effects in global markets. Rick, there, there is like billions of dollars of commerce that go through the Suez Canal on a daily basis. Um, and it comes up to like $8 billion a day was lost from the global economy while this ship was stuck there. Um, the thing of it is, man, the, the size of this freaking boat is the size of the empire freaking state building. That's how much shit is on this boat, including, you know, the wood pulp to make toilet paper and, oh yeah, a whole lot of oil going from one region of the world to another. Um, I don't know, man, there's something about this that seems really, really weird too, because when you're dealing with a boat that size, they're saying that like a wind and sandstorm of about 30 knots is what shoved this boat into the, the bank on the Suez Canal, which is where it got stuck and then went sideways and held up, you know, global commerce for days. Um, I don't know, man. This one seems a little bit strange to me, too, because I don't know how much time you've ever spent in like an engineering room on a boat, but I have spent a little bit. Um, when you're dealing with a boat that size, there would have had to be so many things all go wrong at exactly the same time for a ship this size to be pushed into a bank by a 30 knot wind. Now, this this screams, uh, I, I don't know, some kind of sabotage. If you, I mean, it's like an intentional, I mean, this, as you said, with everything going on, all, I know, no pun intended here, all hands on deck. I mean, who should have been paying attention to this thing for something like this to, so minuscule to affect it in such a major way. Now, have they had any follow-up? Are they, I mean, I'm guessing they're launching investigations and. Oh, there's all kinds of investigations going on because the Japanese lease this boat. The boat itself is only like two years old 
which uh, compared to a lot of the boats that they have doing this is is a fairly new ship. Uh, they had to bring people in from the Netherlands to uh, help get this thing unstuck because evidently when you get a boat stuck, you call the Dutch. They're really, really good at that kind of thing, and which when I think about it actually makes a lot of sense because, I mean, there are parts of the Netherlands where everything is done by boat. Everything is built around canals and whatnot. So it, it kind of made sense to me, but then there was a joint effort between the Japanese and the Dutch and the Egyptians trying to get this thing unstuck. And the entire time, you know who's benefiting from all of this? China. Because they've got that Belt and Road thing going now where you can run a train all the way from China into Europe. And guess how they were getting all of their oil while things were stuck inside of the Suez Canal. Um, I don't know, man. This one, this just, there, there's so much weird stuff going on around this thing that it's like, ooh, kind of want to pay attention to that. Well, I would say it's something, you know, certainly... You know that that breaking news, that red you know red eye alert, because as you start to pull the you know peel the layers back on this thing, it's just going to continue to go deeper and deeper, and really follow that paper trail. You know, just on the surface, we got the Chinese. Now, what is you know how is this affecting everything going there into Europe? What is you know the manipulation of the processing and movement of what's coming out of the Middle East at this point? Well, and, is, and is, even is global markets. That's what I'm saying. It's going to shift, you know, anybody that's got a hand in, in dealing with this oil, it's going to drastically affect who's got the priority coming out and what those prices are going to mark up to. Yeah. Markets weren't real great this past week. That wasn't having anything to do with coronavirus. That was all having to do with what's going on over at the Suez Canal. Uh, supposedly, I guess they got that boat up and moving. They had like 300 ships backed up behind this freaking boat. Just the effect on the global economy. It's going to be crazy. We're, we're going to be seeing the effects uh, of that I mean, what, here in a couple what months. Else, what else was being shipped that's being held up? Basically everything. What, what other, I mean, what other goods and services? That's what I'm saying. Right. And you, So as you sit there and you look at, you know, we sit here and kind of mock and joke at this point with the toilet paper. No, but, it's going to happen. But I'm going to say in that reality, you know, just not toilet paper, your other household goods, any of your paper wares. Your stationary that's probably through there. We don't know if there was any kind of food that was being moved along those lines. And you're saying 30 deep? Yeah. And that's just what was immediately there. What's that going to do? Oh, for no, 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 not out? 30, not 30 deep, like 300 deep. Okay, 300 like there were, deep. There were ships, like if you could see the ships lined up behind this thing from freaking space. That's how many ships were lined up at the okay. Suez Canal. That, that seems like a lot inside of itself in that moment. But what that's going to do is is trigger a, ch a chain reaction. Oh, so yeah. things that were supposed to be going through in April, things that were supposed to be going through in May, those are all going to be pushed back. You, you are taking a major, a major haymaker at you know, your factory industrial kind of pr production. And the big one that I'm hearing about is toilet paper because of the wood pulp. The, the, the people that make the toilet paper need the wood pulp that was on this ship. And so here in a couple of months, you're going to be looking at another toilet paper shortage. So, so inside of this, where was our, and this could fall on either administration. I mean, this falls on the people that we, uh, that should be working together where our government officials are really failing us. Where was our, where's our fail safe? When we saw during that last pandemic where we were short on, and it could happen just like that, you yeah. don't know when, where is our preparation to make sure that that doesn't 
that we don't go through what we just went through, where you know you've got martial law inside of a grocery store, essentially. You got people hoarding all these different products, and you got people going with that, and you got people just living in absolute fear. Where, especially in the short notice, why isn't day boom? We already had a plan for that. Well, and especially when you take into consideration the pairing of the lack of the Keystone pipeline, because we've gotten rid of that now. So that means all of our oil, we, we're going to have to ship that in. Well, not all of it, but a large chunk of it. We're going to have to ship that in. And when something like this happens at the Suez Canal and it holds all that up, gas prices are going to boom. Memorial Day, 4th of July, when they already jack up the gas prices heading, to begin you're with. Heading, you're heading right into it anyway. You're yep. going to see that increase because it, it is actually going to start here. It's going to be really interesting to see what the travel numbers actually are for this Easter. Gas is it, up almost a dollar a gallon since Biden took office here in Iowa. But, I mean, you know, just a little over a year when we essentially lost a lot of that, and now people really do feel like they can get back to you know those family gatherings. Uh, are we going to see that long travel? Uh, it's going to be really interesting, and and we'll dig up those numbers. We'll talk about those next week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get like a, a good scope of them uh, of what you saw over this Easter weekend. The, the the Suez Canal story. That's one that I'm going to be following too because I just I feel like there's something more to this, and may, maybe I'm just looking, but. Man, it's just it's when there's that much weird stuff going on. Mm-mm. Kind of like what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis in South Dakota. Uh, Rick, here are two people that I never thought I would say in the same sentence. But you know what Christy Nome and Derek Chauvin have in common? Wow. What, what do we got? You got to let the system play out with both of these guys. Uh Derek Chauvin, of course, the, the man accused of the murder of George Floyd up in Minneapolis about a year ago now. Uh, we have seen the trial is underway, and Minneapolis is boarded up in anticipation. It's been boarded up for a couple of weeks. Uh, yesterday, as we sit down to record today, it's uh, March 30th on a Tuesday. So on Monday, the 29th, they had their opening statements, and... I don't know, man. I just the the more and more that I hear about this story, reasonable doubt does sh- it's it's going to be difficult because this is what people have to realize. You have to convince eleven people beyond a reasonable doubt. I don't well, know, I man. Think, this is know, scary. And, and I think and, and I think what's what's most important about this here. And maybe even, you know, how we give our views on this thing. And I want to say here, you know, this pretty much what we're expressing, what we've talked about isn't a personal belief. No, no. See, we, we, that's are talking, the thing, right? we are talking, but people get so blurred inside of that. They get confused when you state something that is an actual fact that just happens to go against the grain of what they believe to be so pure inside of their own being. But they're, but they're blinded by that. That they, that they think you're immediately against them and you're being biased in a certain fashion. People want to talk about the division in this country. To me, there is no bigger division inside of this country than the American legal system and the court of public opinion. They are two incredibly different things. 
incredibly different things. And, and that's what's going on with both of these stories. Christy Nome was on Tucker Carlson's show the other day, and Carlson's going off about the court of public opinion. The court of public opinion are with you. Your constituents are with you. And she's like, does it matter if I know I'm going to go to court and lose? Who cares how many people agree with me if those 11 people over there don't agree? Derek Chauvin is going to walk. Beyond a reasonable doubt. And man, there is reasonable doubt all over this thing. And that's the scary part. I can see where Chauvin could walk. That's the fucked up part. Does he deserve to rot in jail? Yeah. Absolutely. Is what he did right? Absolutely not. Do I believe that he contributed to the death of George Floyd? Absolutely. And, and to this, you know, it is, it, it, you know, immediately people are going to, they're, they're going to feel that anger that we're saying that we, we really believe. Uh, if I had to put money on it, I would. I, I firmly believe that he is going to walk from this thing simply by looking at the way that the system has worked here. Now, now, and I know that that number one argument there for those on the right, you know, comply or look at his record. That, that has nothing to do with this as well. That is irrelevant to this case. It is inside of its own situation. And we have to look at those facts right there. Uh, you, you know, you know me. I, I absolutely I, I love the show Gunsmoke. I think it has magnificent storytelling and, and a lot of cases and it, it deals with old school law and, and it says pretty true to the you know way most things were presented back then uh but there you know and there's one thing i always tell people you know if, if well if if you're innocent you should just comply we do have an issue here where there are certain individuals that they are so fearful of what's going on that no matter what and they it, it's it's media manipulation is what this has come down to. And there, there's some truths in there, but to think that in every every scenario, and even to get to the point where they would go out and see just me and you, two random white guys, I think that we have some sort of agenda uh, against every other race. You know, that it's us against the world, and we're, we're here to destroy everybody. But there was a line inside of an episode of Gunsmoke. And it, and it was a guy, it was someone who was innocent and went on the run, went on the lam. And it was brought up that an innocent man will run harder than a guilty man when they when they truly believe that the system has turned on them. Absolutely. And here is my fear with this Chauvin trial, all right? They they have charged him with second degree murder. They have charged him with third degree murder and there's a, a charge of manslaughter as well, all right? But the problem is when they read the verdict, they start with the the most harsh charge. And if the first words out of that lead juror's mouth is we, the jury, find Derek Chauvin not guilty of second-degree murder, even if they find him guilty of third-degree murder or the manslaughter charge, it's not going to be enough, and Minneapolis is going to burn. Even if they find him guilty of third-degree murder, I'm afraid Minneapolis is going to burn because of the way that the verdict is going to be read. Because I don't think they're going to get him on second-degree murder. You have to prove intent that he was intending to kill him for second-degree murder. I mean, even if I agree that what Chauvin did contributed to the death of George Floyd, now you have to convince me that he intended to do it. 
that at some point in that arrest, his mind went to completely, I am going to end this life. And you're not going to be able to do that. And you have to prove that to me beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes. And that's that's the way that the system's going to hold up. And the system, this is going to be hard for people to hear, the system does not know color. We can see that as individuals examining the system. But the system, that's just the way that it is. But the problem is people don't understand the system. And they don't take the time to learn the system because the system is complicated. The system is not an easy thing to understand. And if you want to talk about simplifying the system, we can sit down and have that conversation. But the fact remains that the system is what the system is at this point. And your best weapon against the system is understanding how it works. Absolutely. And in the system and with the human element, you know, just because you might not like the outcome in this trial, there's thousands of trials going on out there that will be manipulate, manipulated the other way that we're just not getting the coverage on because it's not as high profile at this point. For those people out there that think that I definitely fall to the right, I'm about to prove you wrong because here are two people on the right that are completely pissing me off. Uh, Tucker Carlson in Dan Bongino, uh, the same Dan Bongino who's taking over the Rush Limbaugh time slot. And I, I really don't like that. I can barely listen to Bongino for an hour, let alone three. Um, Christy Nome in the news and not good news this time because there's this transgender bill in South Dakota regarding, you know, transgenders in sports. And Christy Nome had said that she was very, very excited to sign this bill if it would be presented to her. And then it was presented to her and she sent it back. She did not veto the bill. She just sent it back to have it reworded because the NCAA found out about this bill and completely lost their shit. So now the right-wing media is going hard at Christy No. And Rick, this is something that we have talked about and I just do not understand. Christy Nome is a potential candidate for 2024. Christy Nome could change the face of the Republican Party, make it younger, make it more progressive. She would be a great candidate in 2024. Why are the people on the right going after Christy Nome? And the only answer that I can come up with is because it's got to be Trump. We got to run Trump 2024. We got to run Trump. Got to run Trump. And I think that is the wrong answer. In any case, you should be moving forward. And at some point, you know, you got to accept the loss. It, it, Why would you go wrong. circular firing squad otherwise? But in that, in that lies an, an issue here is we're not having, if, if you're going to go to the right, I, I vote to the right. If you want to continue down that path, you need new, you need new leadership. You need young, more relatable. Those that can build, you know, potentially start to build those bridges. We're not going to get that with Trump. I mean, you're talking extremes here from one, one end of the spectrum to the other. We are not going to move forward as a country until we can move back to that middle. Now, I, see, I don't, I don't understand you know, how people that you and I don't see eye to eye with on anything can sit and have conversations. We could sit and have weeks and weeks and hours and hours of conversations and, and come to some sort of middle ground. But when you get to these backers here on these opposite ends of the spectrums, this all or nothing, it's doing 
zilch for any of us. And you talk about how Biden in 69 days has reverted back and he seemingly erased four years. I mean, that's not the mindset that we need is this reset. How the hell do you move forward as a people, as a country without that? Even if Trump would win in four years, I don't want Trump to go in there and wipe out what Biden has done in the last four years. That's just asinine thinking. How do you ever move forward if you're constantly going back? Yeah, I guess something that just funny, relatable to professional wrestling. I hate when they just drop a storyline. Be be creative enough, have enough intelligence to use what was there, like it or not, but move forward with it. Right. Even if it sucks, sometimes you got to you, you make it suck less until it yeah. doesn't suck anymore. Like, but so and I know the I know the extremes there are so different. And you know, one is the fantasy world of professional wrestling, but hey, they're both over the top with all these characters. But yeah, and, but why are and this is you know those biggest fears is we saw this you know as Trump was running though as most of the party turned on Trump so is there is there that resentment still that they didn't want him so seemingly you know Trump is the leader they don't want you know those people I just it, it doesn't make any kind of logical sense to me um, I'm I'm completely fine we need to we need to move forward whoever those candidates might be we need to we need to bring a handful of them to the front to say this is our team now who is going to emerge and I'll go back to this and this is where you talk about the true leadership of Trump if he can get out of his own damn way is he should be the one heading this up and going and supporting these individuals and, and rallying the his masses behind them but do you run into do you run into this point where I think yes there absolutely is that that over the top that extreme ego, but that business sense has got to be in there with him. Instead, we have Trump doing run-ins at weddings in Mar-a-Lago, and uh, now it sounds like he's going to go down to the southern border too, which is I think a, just an awful Why? awful Why? idea. What 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 do what do you accomplish there? Absolutely what presence, nothing. What 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 his presence there? What does it do? But it just Raise animosity. That's it. That's it. Fires yeah. up his base. That's it. You're you're in, inciting an over the top emotion that we do not need right now down there. He's not going to go down there and help fix anything. Yep. Completely agreed. Um, as far as the Christy Nome story goes, there are two different uh, topics here. Uh, number one. Uh, so she sent this thing back to the legislature. She didn't veto the bill. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the transgender part here in a second, but as far as legally goes, what she wants to have done, she wants them to reword the bill so that it's only K through 12 that is listed rather than all the way through collegiate athletics as well. Um, and she said she has pledged that she will sign that tomorrow. All right. So there's, there's that part of it. As far as the NCAA and the NCAA threatening Christy Nome and her just crippling under the pressure from the NCAA, um, what she is trying to do is put together a coalition of states to take on the NCAA, because what was going to happen here is the NCAA was going to file a lawsuit against the state of Sandy of South Dakota, San Diego, South Dakota, SD. That's the way it's abbreviated in my notes. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, too much weed. So. Basically, she does not want to go to court and she doesn't want to lose this case. 
Because what's going to happen if she goes to court and she loses this case is it's going to create a precedent that is going to be used in a higher court. So she's not just trying to protect the residents of South Dakota here. She's actually looking out for the entire freaking country. So she's trying to get together a conglomeration of states to take on the NCAA and have a real court battle here when it comes to this transgender issue. Rick, I feel like the issue itself is a whole other topic, but I don't understand why anybody would be going at her for the cards that she is playing here. It's like they, they think that she's playing fucking checkers and she's playing chess. Well, you're right, Jarko. The actual issue at hand, you know, the inclusion, however you want to handle transgender sports, that's a completely different conversation. We're talking about going back to the system, stacking your deck, anting up at the table with the best possibility you have to go in there and win a battle for yourself. Hey, at its very surface, guess what? The NCAA will crush South Dakota. Absolutely. By themselves, absolutely. That sets a precedent where now across the board, that is the measuring. That's where you go back to. Nope, it was already this when we South Dakota came at us on this. Nope, we're going across the board. It stands that way everywhere. Now, you bring in some major players, some big-time states with some major pool inside the NCAA, then you're changing this narrative. You're changing this argument, and you're changing how they're going to look at this thing inside the system. And number one is going to be Texas. They're going to be going down to Texas. You get Texas attached to this lawsuit. You get Florida attached to this lawsuit. You start looking around at where all the Republican governors are right now. Yeah, you you can go to battle with the NCAA if you've got a conglomeration of all those states and all of those legal minds. South Dakota, by themselves, that's a really small state, and they ain't got the budget to be fighting with the NCAA. You go into, you know, the conservative-thinking states where you have that leadership. You can get some – you score some big backup in SEC Big Ten country. You bet. The NCAA starts changing their perspective of how they're going to play ball inside of this thing. Yep. As far as the issue itself, this entire transgender issue inside of sports, um, I, I, I feel very, very differently than most people do because I have this, as George Carlin would say, I have this moronic thing I do. It's called thinking. The, the transgender issue, I don't feel like is so damn cut and dry as people want to make it out to be. The transition from male to female or female to male requires so many years of hormone therapies and surgeries. And like, am I completely against a guy waking up one day because he's not quite good enough to make the men's team? So he decides I'm going to identify as a woman so I can go play women's basketball. Yes, I'm completely and utterly against that. Am I against a man who has went through three years worth of hormone therapy and had multiple surgeries and all this to actually become, quote unquote, a woman? I feel like that's two completely different conversations that are all being lumped together under one umbrella term. And somehow we need a bit more definition. Is that fair to say? I would agree with you. And this is one of those cases where there is no blanket answer. No, Every but that's what they're trying to play it, that there I, is. I, yes, and, and I understand that. What gets me more into this 
And it, this is the same thing uh, as that I'll use in, in race relations. I'm a middle-aged white guy from the Midwest. Right. I'm not going to ever pretend to sit here and know the plight of an African-American. Now, in that, that comes back to education. That comes back to actually informing people. And I'm talking about not the you know, rainbows, sunshine, and lollipops where this is just people and we need to love. I, I, we got to have real conversations inside of, of these transitionings because let's let's be honest with it. You know, a, a great majority of these things, they end tragically because of the, the mental toll, the suicide rate is incredible. Yeah. Sad. And, and so. But I'm it's, sorry. it's and, that and hormone that, therapy, man. This is and it's, I it's, it's the same conversation about the damn military. I'm not necessarily against transgenders inside of the military. I am against somebody transitioning inside of the military because it fucks, dime. it fucks with your whole, well just aside from that i'm not giving this person a goddamn assault weapon when i know that they are fucked up in the head and their emotions are all over the place because their hormone therapy is going completely changing their body chemistry it's not a good idea to be giving those people weapons yeah i mean it it's a, it, and that's even a different conversation than than going out and okay, which class should you wrestle in or play basketball in? Right, right. But but at at the very very core of it, it's the same issue because there's a difference between somebody who just wakes up one day and decides that they want to identify as another sex, somebody who is transitioning and going through the process, and somebody who has completed the process. Like those three things are all being lumped together under one blanket transgender term, and they're three very very different things. So that I, I would go back to you because. And you'd continue as, as we just peel the layers back on this thing and, and go deeper, deeper into the conversation where we're seeing this being challenged is on a high school and collegiate level, which means these are relatively young individuals. Well, and even like, dude, this this bill in South Dakota, K through 12. Like, th these are conversations that are now going on in elementary schools, yes. which is a whole nother conversation, which which again goes back to what I'm talking about. It's just not. Oh, you like Barbies. You feel like and your parents making a judgment. Oh, you like the color pink. You must be okay with this. This is who you are. No, that is absolute bullshit. I, I just want to know how educated these parents are because there is absolutely no way in hell that Levi or Noah, but you know, you know, Noah the other day, there was a commercial for like some Barbie stuff. It was a car. He said, Oh, I want that. And Levi got on him. He said, That's a girl toy. He said, No, that's a car. Right? <laughs> right? And then he just wants every toy. <laughs> he just wants anything to play with. It wasn't because of identifying in any certain way. Just, he saw uh, a coy, He saw a car, and it was zooming around, and that's what he likes to play with, and trucks and that's cars. That's what he wanted, trucks and cars. I, I, you, know, you know, he was playing with a, with a fire truck the other day. I'm not going to immediately go and list him in the Cincinnati Fire Department because he's identifying right? as that at four years old. Fucking insane. That, it, 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 that's where it, what you're getting here, though, is these absolute morons who are trying to blanket each and every one of these together. Yep. And I guess overall, you know, I've thrown it out there. When it, when it does come down to... It, you know, if you're eligible to participate in whatever thing it is there, I just leave it up to each each tournament director or 
Are we, are we going to get to the point where they have their own divisions? I mean, we have weight classes. I mean, we have male and female. I mean, and I understand, you know, there might not be enough to participate in those certain cases. So why can't each director of that competition make a decision without being chastised either way how they feel to go? You, you want equality, right? Fuck it. Let's just go co-ed on all sports. Oh, but what what do you mean? Like when it comes to basketball, that only the boys will play. But why is that? If you got a woman who's good enough, then they can play. If you got a, if you got a trans that's good enough, they can play. You got a cat that's good enough, they can play. I don't give a shit what you identify as, as long as you can ball. Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know what's it's also kind of funny too. Is, yeah, you realize how stupid that sounds. You you, you well, know what I mean, like. Well, no, because you know, even you've, I'm sure you've seen it before. I don't know how active your girls were when they were younger in sports, but a lot of times there wasn't like enough. I said, you know, for like a, a girl softball team. So they would put a girl on the baseball team or in the T-ball team mm-hmm. up to a certain point. Yeah. But you didn't see that go the other way. No. If there wasn't enough for. And then you, then you got to get into all the other, you know, special interest groups. You know, if it's, is it okay for a boy to join the Girl Scouts now that the Boy Scouts are gone? Right. It, it's just stupid. It's all and they stupid. Teach, and they teach you those different things. I mean, it doesn't mean that you identify in the Girl Scouts. I mean, so it doesn't mean you identify as, as a female or uh, trans if you want to learn something of the things that they focus more on. You know, what do, what do you think of things in the Girl Scouts? What do you think of? I don't know. like Cookies. Cooking. Cookies. Right. That's what I think of is cookies. <laughs> you think of a billion dollar company. <laughs> Goddamn right. I want my fucking cookies. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. You, you, you learn you learn how to be an entrepreneur in the Girl Scouts and you get molested in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah, equality. <laughs> Let's throw it to the break. The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love in Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG brand management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Freak God Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course, the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted. Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go, bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zorosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com RussosBrand.com 
where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sBrand.com. Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com and visit Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. All right, Huckleberry, back for HTM Sports. Um, I, I guess we could talk about, like, the Elite Eight and stuff. I mean, we, we had the first couple games go down last night, got the next two tonight. You still watching this tournament? Because I, I watched more basketball, uh, more college basketball last night at work than I think I've watched uh, all season. Not that you think that was – and that was simply because you had it – it was there in front of you? Yep. And, and that's it? Because, you know, I was actually talking with one of my clients this afternoon, Joy from uh, Champions – champions grill and we were talking about the numbers and how just this weekend i was there you know saturday and sunday with them and they were absolutely packed but i was i intentionally sat back and i really took notes and i wanted to see what the excitement was about it was probably two of the more back-to-back pack days i'd seen there in a while it wasn't for basketball it was families were out. It was nice weather, as I said. So people were getting out. Uh, sports teams were coming in after their events. Right. I think there was some youth tournaments going on in the area. So it, it, basketball wasn't that drive that you had seen in the past. And then, as Joy was telling me, you know, we were talking about the shift in the schedule, the different times, and, and the days. And she said you could. It greatly affects it. That people really and and we thought it was not just the shift. But people really weren't weren't aware of it, like because well, in order going to know into the season, in order to know that you have to watch CBS. How much CBS are you watching these days? Like what what the hell is on CBS that you want to watch? Where you would have saw the advertisements for well, what was no, going I mean, on? You you've got across the board. You got that entire family of channels that are covering this thing. Now, I, where I think they really failed at is um because we had talked about that the advertising for it is, man, they did a absolute pitiful job of utilizing social media. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it, true. I mean, where, where were these paid ads at? Ain't nobody you paying know, uh, nothing, man. Like, the advertising, like, people want to talk about TV ratings being down. You want to know what's really down, what's really concerning is advertising revenue is way down, kind of across the board, because these companies aren't spending money because, you know, COVID. They're trying to, to recoup expenses, not be spending more money. Absolutely. And and inside of that, and I think they even realized themselves they were going to be down coming in. I mean, you look across the board. I mean, why was it going to be any different for March Madness when every major sport season, yeah. uh, postseason championships have been down? But when you're inside of just your, your own bubble there and you're looking around your, your Dukes, your Kentuckys, even you know Carolina, who made the tournament, but they're middle of middle of the road. They're nowhere near what they traditionally were. You've lost so many of your powerhouses, and those what bring those bring viewers to the table. I know uh, so many people want to believe in that Cinderella. Facts are facts on it's it. Bullshit. They do not pull numbers. You know they're good for a little buzzer beater to to drum up some interest, but they're, people are going to continue to tune in for your heavy hitters, for your main eventers, your marquee. It, it's good through the Sweet Sixteen, and that's about it. And you're exactly right there. It's good for uh, a nice buzzer beater. Feel good. Okay, now get me to the Kentucky game. Yep. Get me to the Duke game. Yep. 
and that's what's going to happen tonight. Uh, let, let's start off with last night. Uh, Houston beats Oregon State 67-61 to move on to the Final Four, as well as Baylor tops Arkansas 81-72. to That's the game that I saw a bunch of while I was at work last night. Rick, I don't go to work until 11 p.m., there was still Central, like six, right? seven minutes left in this freaking game. This has got to change. You can't be going past midnight, 1230 on the East Coast, where half of the freaking population of the country lives for Baylor versus Arkansas. Like, it's just not going to work. They've got to move up these start times. I realize they want them in prime time, but you got to have that second game ending by 10 o'clock on the East Coast, not getting started. I absolutely agree with you 100%. And, you know, we talk about this regular pro wrestling where they really falter. And you're seeing it across the board in all of sports is they are struggling to grow their audiences. And this has been something you've heard talked about for the longest time in baseball, especially with the World Series, where they're, they are losing so much of their youth following. You see these youth leagues, they're diminishing yeah. across the states. Why aren't we playing these games in the afternoon where these kids and, and in the presentation where you're showing it as a learning opportunity, you're making it fun. They want to get participating inside of baseball, which ultimately is boring as shit. But you got to have that. If you can get them out there to play the game, they're going to be having fun. But sitting back in the presentation that the way they're giving us to us now. And then, as you're saying, Jargo, here in college basketball. There's kids were in bed before this thing even tipped over in the central with you. Yeah, Absolutely just the games are too late and it was a good game i mean it ended up you know being nine points but it, it was much closer than well that. you I got mean, terrible timing basketball. I, and i know they're two great teams but they're not sexy names no no it's like tonight. none of them none of them four I, and i think that, that there's maybe is only one sexy pick out of tonight well i i, I think there's two um and and kind of three uh but the one that is not a sexy pick is number one gonzaga Number one, Gonzaga playing tonight against number six, USC. USC, at least they people know who where USC is. How many people even know where Gonzaga is? And then your late game, you've got two. I mean, you want history and tradition, UCLA versus Michigan. It wouldn't surprise me if that ended up being the top rated game out of all four. Yeah, I guess West Coast wise, I just USC and UCLA. Hey, UCLA, shout out UCLA getting a little interest here. Well, I, you know, in our market here, and, and we got we got basketball everywhere. I mean, it is loaded. There is such, I mean, there are diverse fan bases here in Southern Ohio. You know, the Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky area. We didn't have any teams represented, right? And, and that even spreads up. You know, in the Indiana and all that. It wasn't Ohio State was you know one is number two and was upset. So you immediately, just for the local flavor, that kind of has diminished. But UCLA, coached by an, a, a Cincinnati guy, Mick Cronin. So there is a little interest there. But again, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting. I think you're going to see a nice spike with the, with the ratings tonight with the West Coast and those names. I just don't know if it does enough nationally. And the other thing that helps is being on the West Coast, all those teams being West Coast teams – the time slot doesn't matter. Like, I, I feel like everything should be on West Coast time when it comes to these things, you know? I, there, there's a medium. Yeah, there's got to be somewhere, somewhere. 
Uh, let's talk about a little bit of football as we wrap up today. Uh, a couple of big stories. And one I've just got to ask you about because it pertains directly to uh, one of the saviors there from the OHIO. Uh, number one, we got to start off with San Francisco. The San Francisco 49ers have moved up to number three in the NFL draft. Why? Why would they do that? Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up a Patriot, isn't he? Like that that's what where this is going, isn't it? Like that's the only reason I can think that San Francisco would move up to number three in the draft. I didn't really get to dive into the story here. What other packages did they get with this thing? Did they did they bolster more picks on the back end? But I, I do I see what you're saying. I thought that's where you were going, is that they feel the need. They have got to get up into that top three to get one of these quarterbacks. Well, yeah. essentially two of the three is going to be on the table for them. Right. Hey, was that the choice? I, like, uh, are, why would you move off of Garoppolo? I just, I don't understand that. I mean, when, when you've got a young coach like Kyle Shanahan, you, you've got a young quarterback like Jimmy G, who really all he does is win and get hurt, but all he does is win. Like, and hang out with porno stars. Well, yeah, there is that. But see, to me, that's the number. That's why I keep him. I, I just I don't understand it. it. It all seems really, really strange to me. The only thing I can anticipate is Jimmy G going back to the hoodie. That's the only thing that makes any kind of logical sense to me. Well, I mean, let's let's really break this thing down here. I, we look at, you know, last year we had talked about this during the playoffs, and you look at the age inside of the NFC versus the quarterbacks in the AFC. But as a as a whole, I mean, you've got Jimmy G. He's going to be pushing thirty. He'll be thirty within the next season. Yeah, you have you have the injuries. You have got you've got built in there. He's going to be moving into those certain salary structures. Is this simply okay? Let's move up to here. We know we like two of these three that we're going to be able to get our hands on here. Whichever one falls to us at three, we're going to be satisfied with that. We can bring them in. We got fresh young legs. We feel that either one of us can can fit into a dynamic here, and we're going to have that rookie deal. Here's what San Francisco, I, I, I just, I, I don't get it, man. The number three pick is what the 49ers got. They gave up the number 12 pick this year, a first and third round pick in 2022, and a first round pick in 2023. So three firsts and a second to move up nine spots in the draft. Like they're after somebody. Well, I mean, at this point here, I mean, here's a headline here come up. Niners didn't want to be, uh, get left at the altar by staying at 12. Believe Jimmy G gives them the best, best chance to win. Now is this okay, we still believe in you here, but your window is closing, and we need to assure that the cupboard's not bare, that we have got someone that we have groomed for this system, and we're not just hoping, you know, if there is that big injury, if we if the team cannot bounce back, I mean, they were riddled with, I mean, you know, everyone's got to play through the same situations, but they, they actually took a pounding oh, when yeah. it came to the injured reserve last year. You know, what's to say that they get back on track here? I think this is more of a, a precautionary move by them to make sure they've got somebody that's young. And I think it's going to be fields that falls to him. And, you know, I've got to watch a lot of fields here in Ohio 
he doesn't scream one of those top picks to me, but with that raw talent and ability, he is someone that is given an opportunity, can't sit and learn while he's not going to come in and, you know, maybe be that major starter right away. He can groom into that situation, but he is so athletic and dynamic that he can contribute to your team day one. So we talked about all the injuries that the 49ers had last year. The NFL solution is we're going to expand to 17 games. They're they're adding two more games to the schedule, man. And I just, I don't like this at all, man. Like there have been so many injury problems over these last few years. And your solution to it is add more games to the schedule? They're adding two weeks, correct? Are they going to put in two buys? No, I don't think so. I think there's just okay. going to be the one buy. Okay. Are they going to expand rosters? Um, not that I had heard. Okay, so we're going with the same thing. And we were talking about advertising dollars being down. Uh, that's obviously, this is a ploy, a money grab. And it moves the Super Bowl to the second week in February. Like somehow over the course of my life, the Super Bowl has moved like three weeks in time backwards. Yes. Uh, it was, we were young because you remember, you know, it's because of the growth of the playoffs and all that. Now the expansion of the season, uh, we've, we've seen expansions of seasons. You know, when we started watching football, it's hard to believe that, you know, there was only 14 games. Yeah. You only had at one point in our life, you only had the four teams that made the playoffs on each side of it. Yeah. I mean, like the Super Bowl would be like, you know, the third week in January. Moves the rumble, too. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, just what we need. Move the rumble back so that it's in February now. Oh, God. That, that, yeah, because we only need a week and a half to build a WrestleMania, right? You know what? I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to go back and I'm going to plead my fifth on this one. I don't really know. I can't disagree with you right now sitting here looking on paper. Do we need another week of professional football? You know, the ratings were already down. You've already got people split on this thing. I'm one of those individuals. Less is more. You know, you you make people more hungry for your content. But a a year ago, I sat here and said the same thing about restructuring the playoffs. And I actually ended up enjoying that. Now on now. But here's the reverse of that, though. While I did enjoy the playoffs because of the expanded teams there. And you do have two more fan bases that get to have that playoff experience. You have that excitement. I think in so many ways that did diminish the regular season to me. Yep, absolutely. Where I I didn't start really paying that close attention until later in the year because I didn't feel that the importance was there. And it's the same situation that you see inside of college basketball. It's the same situation you see inside of the NBA. And I even think with Major League Baseball. Well, and probably the best example is the one that, you know, nobody talks about and just goes unnamed. That's the NHL. Like the, uh, you, you talk about a league that seemingly does not matter until the chase for the cup. Yep. Not until the playoffs start. Nobody cares until the playoffs start. It, and they actually inside of themselves, they seemingly embrace that. Yeah. What, they, they pretty much come out and tell you. Hey, this is a whole new season. This is a whole new style of hockey. Now it really matters what we just did for 82 games. They even changed the fucking rules when it comes to the playoffs. Yes. I mean, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Even the NHL is like, yeah, this is all bullshit. This is just for you nerds out there that enjoy watching hockey. This is... This is for you guys that keep buying our our season tickets and whatever network 
USA that you just bumped NXT for that you you're just throwing <laughs> you're throwing billions of dollars at professional wrestling. So why the hell not throw it at hockey? Right. Yeah. But hey, but stick around for the postseason because it's gonna get good. All right, gotta ask you about this story, man, because this this one's a little weird. This is a little weird to me. This is my weird wrap up kicker, right? What is Urban Meyer doing in Jacksonville? Like, it, it, are, are people paying attention in Ohio to what Urban Meyer is doing in Jacksonville? It, you're not seeing a whole lot of news on it. I don't understand this. It's, it's not really on the beat. Jaguars coach Urban Meyer told NBCSports.com that the team is leaning toward taking the former Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, with the top pick in the 2021 draft next month. Meyer told Peter King, I'd have to say that's the direction that we're going. I'll leave that up to the owner when we make that decision final, but I'm certainly not stepping out of line, but that's certainly the direction that we're heading. Um, right, what's, what's, what's wrong with the statement? Number one, this is a fucking no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. Like, do not outthink yourself here, Urban Meyer. He's, you take Trevor not. Lawrence, number one. Like, you're leaning towards taking Trevor Lawrence? Really? In the middle of March, you're leaning towards taking Trevor Lawrence? Like, we all fucking knew you were taking Trevor Lawrence in, like, you know, fucking August. Like, come the fuck on. This is, do not outthink the room on this thing. They're not. This is this is the way that that Urban is. It, it's it's one. It's the simplicity of it. He's trying to keep you on the toes, keep you interested in what's going on there, keep in the headlines. It's good marketing for the league. They're probably supporting this at the headquarters because it's just not clear cut dry. There's a they're trying to drum up a little bit of drama here. Hey, this is this is the football version of the Forbidden Door. Him and TK know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I feel so confident in Jaguars ownership because they have been such a stable when it comes to the NFL playoffs. That's the other thing that really kind of worried me about this, right? Because being in Big Ten country, I have seen Urban Meyer talk and talk and talk and talk and talk for years at this point when it comes to press conferences. And uh, he's kind of like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. He never says anything on accident. Everything is pointed. He has an agenda with everything that he says. Why does he feel the need to say, I'll leave that up to the owner when we make the decision final? I'm not stepping out of line. That's certainly the direction that we're headed. Like, why would he say that about Shad Khan? Like, it just seemed very out of place inside of the context here. Well, what you've got here is, where is your spotlight going to be? And they do want to feature this back on an ownership that has let this city down. And, and what they're doing there in this case is very simple. Is, hey, this is their team. This is the Khan's family team. They're bringing all these pieces together for you. And... It urban, he just wants to go out there at this point and coach. I don't know, man. The messaging just sounded really, really weird to me, especially coming from Urban Meyer. And maybe that's the whole thing. Like, just in, because we've watched him for so many years in Big Ten country, you know, and it's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't sound like Urban Meyer to me. It just something doesn't sound right here. Something feels off. No, nah, to, to me, it to me, it's just a little marketing. He, he's. Not, or is, or is Urban Meyer working the fucking cons because they're money marks? Well, absolutely. What do you think he went back there for on this thing? Do you think he needed this payday? 
Is there really anything, I mean, is this going to be, was there anything, okay, we're questioning, we're talking about Urban Meyer's legacy, his greatness. Have we ever heard anyone's conversation, but, but he needs to go to the NFL. Yeah, that's true. The only thing he can do is damage his legacy at this point, unless he goes and wins a Super Bowl. You know, you go there, you'd be very humble. And I think we would both agree. I mean, it, it's the NFL, you know, any, any given week, any given Sunday, anything can happen here for you. But when you kind of, you look at what's in front of them opportunities. Yes. I mean, you look at salary cap galore. You got this bona fide surefire can't miss stud coming in. You got everybody regarded as one of, you know, just the, the greatest pure minds to be on the sideline. No state income tax. That helps. It's going to be a dynamite season. Yeah, I was going to say, and you, you can even get to hang out with, you know, Brandy and Cody Rhodes, you know? Yeah. You see their new reality show? No, I haven't seen the show. Is the show itself out yet? Uh, no, they're just running promos for it now. It, you you talk about the guy who went in there and is the, the ultimate opportunist here. Cody Rhodes, he is taking this con money. I mean, he, he convinced Khan to start a professional wrestling company, made him uh, an executive vice president. Then he goes over, he's working a, a reality television show, that Go Big show. Now he's also signed on with TNT Drama for his own, like, it's like the road, coming up roads or something like that. Yeah, you, you talk about a guy, uh, hey, kudos to Cody. I mean, You're going to watch it, ain't you? probably check an episode out if i remember it's on now see that reminds me so it's tuesday and now i got to remember that that young rock show's on because i always forget about it see i i imagine that coming soon to the htm podcast network will be uh the crossroads a podcast about the roads and it'll be led by uh uh rbv and brv like i could see that this show is going to be right up both of you guys' alleys you guys love shitty reality television and it was always our dream we wanted to get together and collaborate on on something along those lines we we wanted to do something with the bellas yep with with the 90 day hey i i could do that I could sit and, hell i i could probably come up with 5 to 7 days of programming just covering the previous nights awesomely bad reality television Shout out to Billy Ray Valentine, man that I respect very, very much and has terrible taste in television. Hey, is that really him on Facebook or is that a bot? No, no, that's not Mask Man. That's not Billy Ray Valentine. That's that Mask Man. Okay. I was just wondering if I should accept the, the friend request. Yeah, well, you know, how, how, how do you go wrong with the uh, V for Vendetta mask, right? Yes. Right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com, maybe, and hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Uh, you can keep up with all things Jargo at michaeljargo.com. RBV, what do you got going on? Well, uh, I'm still a little old school, so you can just keep up with things going on with me at The Real RBV, and that's, of course, across all social media. Uh, hey, if you just want to hear me talk about whatever's going on around my neck of the woods, you can go over and visit podcincinnati.com. You can check out my new show, Podcast Cincinnati. And then coming up here, we are six weeks away. The Professional Wrestling Alliance is coming to Mid-Ohio, the Greenfield Armory. That's going to be Saturday, May 15th. 
Bell time, 7 p.m. Doors at 6.05 p.m. And it is the Professional Wrestling Alliance, the Great American Rumble. And your boys from the Hitting the Marks podcast. Yes, both of us, Jargo and myself, the Art of the B2B. Richard Brunson Victory, we are there on the production team. We're going to be out on the floor. So, hey, happen to be in the air. We, we have got a stack card, a great rumble. And I, I don't know. I haven't confirmed this, though. Uh, I know that Ted McNaylor will be in the building, but I haven't confirmed this, but could be a possible run-in from somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear there's a little bit of heat going on. There's a lot of talk about possibly uh, uh, an erection of some kind. Of I, I guess if you thought the NWA, NWO invasion, because I've already had, you know, I woke up this morning and I'm getting DMs personal, not even in the group chat, MSG with a little heat. Oh, Jesus. Uh, speaking of uh, other projects, I'm going to have uh, The Vet coming up on Destino next week. Uh, we're going to sit down and talk to Sakura Genesis. He's going to try to talk me off the ledge, man. Did you see that new fucking belt? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, uh, immediately we shared the same thoughts. For, I, I realized that after I posted the photo, you had made a comment about it right above where I posted it. Uh, it's just... You know, that, you know that option? And there's... And there's filters where you can just remove color. Uh, they just removed the pink. And now we have in New Japan a Divas Championship. Yep, the New Japan Divas Championship. Kota Ibushi, the Divas Champion. You know, I, actually, I guess, that kind I, of checks what? out. I, I guess that should, yes. I mean, because ultimately, what is the first? They got the first, but one of the near early payoffs we're going to have for this new championship is going to be two total divas the golden lovers potentially yep. battling for this thing the best comment that i have heard about the new version of the iwgp championship uh somebody made the comment i can't wait for naito to win it so he can destroy it like he did the Intercontinental bring back the old i like that what, what, what that, yeah that, would that just be like if that's naito's next story yeah that'd be great is he is now on the quest to not only capture but destroy so that he can bring back the old championship. Yep, I'm totally down for that story. Totally down for it. We'll talk to you next week right back here on the Hitting the Marks podcast with Jargo and RBV. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. Don't give a f- you bad guy!
Yeah. Hey. 